Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Panetta, and we are in studio today, downtown in Salem, Oregon, yet again, in person. Our guest is going to be joining us. Co-host Salam Noor is going to be joining us. It's a great day. Restrictions have continued to lighten, which makes makes it possible for us to be in person. It's absolutely a blast. Now, for any of you that are new to the show, a uh, quick spiel on what we're doing here and why we're doing it. Uh, this podcast is, is connected to our Leadership Institute, Groundwork, uh, and the purpose behind Groundwork is purely philanthropic, meaning that we are not a business trying to make a profit. Um, we, have, we don't have a hidden agenda. There's no political motive here. Uh, we really um, philanthropically want to invest in leadership in our community and even beyond our community because we believe it's important in accomplishing community transformation and community change. It's crucial. Any change that we want to see in our communities, uh, our leaders are just an important part of it. We believe in all of this so much that we're conducting research. We want evidence-based practices and know-how to come out of this. Our institute is truly an institute where we learn as much as we can from other leaders, from other thought um, uh, discourse leaders uh, to add to our institute. Now, we have a framework that we build everything off of, which is called the Rooted Framework. It's based on an analogy of soil, seeds, and weeds, really basic. It doesn't take uh, a rocket scientist to understand it. It's meant for anyone and everyone, which, by the way, this show is meant for anyone and everyone. So it doesn't matter if you're a leader or not. doesn't matter if you're young or old. doesn't matter. Uh, everything that we talk about on this show uh, is for everyday living. There's some sort of takeaway that you can glean from by listening to the show. Now, look, we have topics that are obviously sometimes more leadership-centric and focused, but there's so many great stories and examples and just content within all of our episodes that uh, you know anyone and everyone can, can have a great takeaway. So thank you for joining. Please keep listening. Um, if you're new to the show and any returning listeners, it's always a pleasure um, to have you uh, tuning in. And we appreciate it. So I want to get right to it. I know that we tune in because we want to hear uh, the content. We want to hear these guests. And so our guest today is the local uh, executive director, or the director of the Croc Center uh, here in town. Now, there's Croc Centers all over uh, the uh, United States. You know, the Salvation Army uh, runs those. And uh, they're just phenomenal places that have all sorts of resources. Um, for the community. And so uh, Tony Frazier is his name. That's our guest. He's one of our original uh, alumni members of Groundwork. He went through the Institute on our first year ever. He was just an incredible contribution. He's such a great thought leader. Uh, he has a, an awesome background that I will let him describe in more detail, uh, but I truly have enjoyed a friendship with Tony, and it's just a, an absolute privilege to have him on the show. So before we welcome him in studio and Salam, uh, before Salam joins us as well, just wanted to give him that brief intro. And with that, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. Before our guest joins, you can catch more episodes, leadership tips, and community stories by following us on Facebook at Groundwork Leadership, on Twitter at Groundwork Salem, or on our website at groundworkleadership.org. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We have uh, Salam Noor, our co-host that joined us in studio along with our guest, who I already introduced, but he's here now. Tony, thanks for joining. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Hi, Tony. Salam, Hi, as always, thanks for joining, my friend. Thank you. All right. So we're going to dive right in. Tony, as I mentioned to you pre-recording, I, I introduced you briefly um, to our listeners, but if you don't mind, you know, sharing a little bit more about yourself, uh, you know, what you do and, and who you are uh, would be a great start. All right. Well, currently I'm the director of the Salem Croc Center. It's a 95,000 square foot facility. We got two pools, um, workout equipment, gym, meeting space. Uh, got a great chef over there. If any, of you, if any of you have ever been by to experience that, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, and uh, we do all kinds of programming from uh, like summer camps are coming up now, so our heads are pretty much in that. 
We just got a grant from the school district to serve high school kids. I'm very excited about that. I've oh, been wonderful. trying to do that for two years uh, since I got there. And uh, we're going we're gonna to reach out to the Title I kids from McKay and North and Barbara Roberts. Um, totally stoked about that. I, I really believe that the Croc Center is a facility that, that uh, those kids need to be coming to. Yeah. Uh, to engage them and so forth. Uh, uh, prior to that, other nonprofit work, workforce development kinds of things. Uh, prior to workforce development, it was uh, Director of Habitat for Humanity. That was my first nonprofit gig here in Salem. Prior to that was 10 years of at-risk youth education, uh, helping, helping kids kind of get back on the path, finish their GED, and then I got to teach them trade skills by building Habitat for Humanity houses out on the, out on the job site. Uh, power tools and the whole bit and uh, built 20 homes over those 10 years with, wow. with those kids. Those kids, uh, I'll probably refer to them a few times as we talk today. Uh, they're largely my inspiration, um, taught me so much about life and, and how to do life and, and so forth. It was just, it was fun to work alongside them, build the relationship and uh, help them see life differently. The mentoring side of that was as exciting to me as actually teaching them the trade skills. Uh, and for, it typically didn't have any more than 12 students on the site, but for, for every student I had on the site, I had a different way to teach, right? So if I had 12, I was teaching 12 different ways. Uh, and it's because we're all humans and we all connect differently and feel differently and think differently. Right. Uh, and, and those kids, those kids taught me a lot and I just, uh, really appreciate that experience in my life. I was 10 years, 10 years doing that before I decided to see if I could climb some kind of ladder, made my way into higher levels of leadership within the nonprofit world. It's really cool. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually worked with Tony when I was with the Salem Kaiser school district, when he worked with the McKay kids in particular, right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember the vans coming by to pick up the kids because one of one of the things that I've always appreciated about Tony is problem solving. So when the school would say, we don't have transportation, we don't have a means, the means or a mechanism for getting the kids there, van comes, picks up the kids, take them to the job site and brings them back. And, and I would say for those kids, uh, that probably was one of the most meaningful, tangible and um, uplifting experience they've had that day that week and during the school year yeah, yeah that's really cool. fun well and anything else tony that's a little bit about what you do and what you have done anything else about who you are that might be fun for our guests to, <laughs> who to i am boy uh i guess and we'll probably get into this as we go but uh you know i remember a time in my life where i was starting to gravitate towards leadership roles people would ask me hey can you lead this can you lead that and I, in my head, I wasn't a leader. And so I was apprehensive or I would turn it down or, um, you know, kind of there was reluctance there. And then finally, one day I woke up through, uh, you know, visiting with some mentors of mine at the time and, and realized that if I keep getting asked to do this stuff or finding myself in these places, I better learn how to do this, right? And so uh, one of my mentors encouraged me to read. I wasn't a reader at the time. You know, I was a young 20-something punk. And uh, I, got, I started reading, and I started reading leadership books and, and so forth, and I just got into it, and then I, I just plowed through them. Uh, and so the whole notion of becoming a leader or what does it mean to lead uh, became very attractive to me in terms of figuring it out. Uh, and so I guess... Who I am is a culmination of uh, lots of authors, various mentors in my life who were willing to uh, look me in the eye and tell me what I needed to be doing in a, any given moment uh, when I needed it. And, um, and then, you know, figuring out how to, to give myself to others <laughs> through that, those things, right? So a lot of what I might say even today is coming from that background of all of that kind of uh, input into my life through the books and through the mentors and through people who cared about me. Uh, and so I try to be that for others uh, today or in any role that I, um, that I do. No, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, for sharing us, sharing with us a little bit uh, more about uh, who you are. Um, you know, just before we uh, continue, just want to I, you know, thank you as well for letting us uh, continue to use the, the Croc Center 
for our, our leadership <laughs> yeah. gatherings, right? Oh, we'd well, love to have you. Yeah, one day uh, Groundwork uh, will be a physical place. But for now, you know, we're, we love these community partners that we have to be able to to share, you know, be able to share that space uh, with them. And, and the, the Croc Center is just an amazing community center. So that's yeah. exciting about the what you shared with the high school kids. I think it's the perfect location for that yeah. um, to get them kind of somewhere else in the community to engage with them. So that's pretty cool. What are you going to do with the high school kids? What kind of programming so, are you going to offer? Uh, the the basic in the grant was give them a place to come and study and learn, right? So okay. so these are probably kids that were struggling before COVID, right? Uh, maybe couldn't always get them in the classroom, things like that. Uh, and so then we told them when COVID hit, hey, go home and teach yourself. And they were like, huh, okay, and didn't, <laughs> right? And so we've got this this gap essentially, you know, in the in the learning process. And uh, so when we first talked to Ethan over at the district, he was, he approached us uh, before the grant money came into play about the notion of, hey, what do you guys think about doing some kind of learning pod? Well, I was excited about that. Uh, you know, the, the kids that are marginal that, you know, are about to drop out or have dropped out, like those are, those are the kids that light my fire. And so um, the basics of the grant are give them a place to connect to Wi-Fi some tutoring help uh, to get caught back up. We took it a, a step further, and uh, because of my workforce background, um, I do know that at some point these kids are going to have to provide for themselves and, and kind of make it on their own, and some of them are kind of doing it now, right, with uh, different and various uh, family background situations and so forth. Uh, so we built in some uh, work skills components. COVID's kind of messing with that a little bit. If, as things tend to uh, start to open up more, uh, I think we'll have oppor some more opportunity there to do those kinds of things, work with them in our building. Um, I I did actually talk to Drew Monarchy about uh, doing some snippets of outward mindset mm -hmm. kinds of things uh, with the kids. He was stoked about that, of course. Uh, so hopefully we'll build some of that in. So what we're doing is with the school schedule, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're doing a Monday elective schedule. And so Greg might teach, Greg, our chef over there, he might teach a cooking class, for example. Or we might teach the rock wall, but we'll teach the kids how to teach how to climb, hmm. right? And I actually uh, partnered with Willamette ESD on some of their credentialing kinds of things mm -hmm. to, to help me figure out what do we do on site that could count for something in the, in the big picture. Right. Uh, and so they were very excited. Uh, Sherry Clark over there was very excited to help out with some of those kinds of connections. Uh, and and I, I'm excited that, you know, with the networks I built over time, as I put things together, uh, uh, reaching out to folks that I know who could potentially help with pieces, and then they get excited about it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here's what we can do. Bam, 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 you know. Uh, so I, I do have a larger diabolical plan here. And, and anyone who, who will listen to me, I share it with, and, and even Christy Perry at one point, uh, and that is that I believe the Croc Center should be an alternative learning center, right? And so my larger diabolical plan is to talk the district into um, uh, funding through ADM. And I think, Salam, you and I talked about it a little bit a long time ago, but uh, funding a space at the Croc Center for those kids to come. I mean... What kid doesn't want to, you know, swim in the pools and use the workout equipment and climb the rock wall? And, and here's the thing that I've found over time with, with these young people. They need to connect to something, right? right? You can't just go to them and say, hey, let's finish that GED with nothing else present. It's just not that attractive, right? If you can create a platform where they will come and engage for the thing. So Habitat was one of them for me teaching those job skills, right? Then you build a relationship and start talking about the importance of finishing that education so that they can move forward in life, right? Yep. And so those kind, of, I my adrenaline's going right now just thinking about these things because I love putting those kinds of things together. Yeah, that's great. I I agree. I think kids do need to connect to something, and as we have learned through um, the outward mindset work in particular, they need to connect to someone. Yes, absolutely. That. The presence of a caring adult in their life is a game changer. Right. Yeah. And they, you know, I mean, they come from all kinds of backgrounds, right? And the, and the people sometimes that should care about them, these young people are doing better than those people and trying to get to a, a better place in life, yeah. right? 
And so that, that encouragement, someone that comes in at just the right moment to tell them you can do this. Uh, I had a young lady once tell me, you know, she's like, well, my family says I'm never going to finish this and I'm never, never going to amount to anything and, and so forth. And I said, but, but you can change that right now, but you have to decide, like, I can't make that decision for you and I can't make you do it. You have to decide that you want to do it for you. Then we can help you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, so there's a lot of those kinds of moments yeah. in this work. A lot of soil work. It sounds it's like a lot of soil work. Yeah. 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 But boy, when the lights come on and it only takes one, right. I often tell people who, who might want to get into at-risk youth type work. It's like, you got to get in for the long haul because it's, you, you may never know what impact you made right. in the moment. It doesn't feel like they're listening or, mm-hmm. uh, but been doing it long enough. Now I'll have kids find me, you know, through social media or whatever, and call me up. And I, I'm blown away. They have kids of their own. They're holding a full-time job, you know, and they're telling me about their life. And I'm like, man, I didn't even think you were listening. <laughs> you know they were. They yeah. Were. Yeah. So you yeah. just never know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Um, well, I, you know, there, I wanted to get into um, some of your vision, mission, method, uh, filter, as you called it. Um, but before I do, would love to get some of your some of your, you know, your takeaways and, and, and feed, you know, takeaways and thoughts on, uh, you know, groundwork. You're, you're our, you were part of our first ever cohort um, last, uh, last year. You know, we're s- still just starting out, lots to learn. But, you know, from our perspective, it was really a, a fun experience last year, even during COVID. And we had yeah. to pivot quite a bit, um, but it seemed to be meaningful for, you know, all of our our participants, and so would love some of your your thoughts and and general takeaways uh, on on our on going through our leadership institute. Sure, it was amazing. So, a big piece of pulling something together like that uh, is that that group of leaders, right? So, so yes, there's a bit of an agenda, there's a curriculum, and so forth. But to go through that with others who are having similar and various experiences in their organizations and in their leadership experiences just accelerates or or enhances, I should say, enhances the impact of the learning that we were doing in each of the different classes under, under the topics, right? So we'd have a topic, but then how people related to that topic as we shared amongst each other, um, Usually that's where a lot of those nuggets came from, right? Like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Uh, and so, so being able to learn from, I mean, I just felt like junior varsity in the room, right? Like all these, these leaders that have been leaders for so long in the community that, it, and some of them had mentored me, you know, over time too. And uh, it was just such a privilege to be in there. And then uh, as a part of that whole experience where as we work through each topic, um, have it be enhanced by those people that I, that I've sort of grown up with from a leadership perspective in the community. Good times. That's awesome. How, I mean, how often do you, I'm just curious, how often do you, you know, reflect back on, on principles, you know, learned uh, or that we discussed uh, as an institute or amongst, you know, our our conversations and dialogue, especially, you know, Mm -hmm. something like the framework, how often do you reflect back on that? I'd say at least weekly. I have my stuff out in my office, so I, you know, I glance at it too at times. Um, and then sometimes I'll open the open the book and kind of try to find something. Something's going on in the space, yeah. right? And I'm like, uh, what was that? You know, and and dig through there, um, and then try to teach from it. I don't use the term soil seeds weeds because nobody knows has a nobody really knows how to you know attach mm-hmm. thinking to it. But but it's the um, the mechanisms of that can be applied in my leadership work within the Croc Center, yeah. right? So it's it's been hugely helpful in that way. It's awesome. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, you know, we found to be pretty. You know, I can't think of a lack of a better word. Pretty cool to to have different guests on on the show. You know, just within the podcast, uh, many of them don't know anything about the framework, but we're able to to bring it up and have a discussion around it and then quickly relate to it. It's been kind of fun to see that, yes. which is, which is part of the purpose behind such a simple analogy. Right? Yeah. Soil, seeds, yeah. and weeds. Um, pretty, pretty simple to, to grasp and, and can tie it to so many different, different things uh, that people are already thinking or already yeah. doing. 
Um, so that's good to that's good to hear. Um, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so sorry, Salam. Question. Well, I'm I'm curious. I, I'm going to uh, ask Tony to elaborate a little bit yeah. from the frameworks lens. Um, how people can use it. Uh, you you do a lot of strategic planning with organizations. You get them focused. You apply the principles that you just shared with us in terms of vision, mission, method. Do you see a relationship or do you see application of the framework to that work? Yes. It's, it's, um, I probably naturally pull it in again, without using the specific terms, depending on, on, you know, what's been requested of us from a consulting standpoint. Right. Uh, and then I see it in the dynamic of the group. Right. So, um, uh, we, we've got a, a gig coming up here and it was going to be virtual. And I, I haven't done this kind of stuff virtually. And I was just like torn up about it. Like that, that in-person interaction where I can see the micro expressions on your face that tell me more than any other expression that you are going to give me. Right. Uh, it, you just learn so much from that. And so then I start to see how the group interacts, how tight knit is the group. Right. And that starts getting back to their own soil and, and so forth. Right. Uh, and so it's just fun to see life through those lenses and um, experience with people I don't know as well, but uh, kind of have that experience uh, of trying to figure out how to interject yeah. some of those kinds of mm-hmm. things within mm-hmm. the consulting framework. Right. Right. I mean, we're trying to do certain things, but I can't help myself sometimes to take a little bunny trail. Right because it might help them in their future. And, yeah. and I've got, you know, four hours to interact, sometimes eight hours, right. depending on right. how much we're doing. And I'm, I just try to throw some extra stuff in there. Yeah. Well, if, if nothing else, I think um, it provides a lens. And this is where I found it really helpful for me, especially when I engage with different groups and organizations that want to do strategic planning, is that it really becomes an organizer for me. And I think about the people in the room as the people that, you know, when you observe their interactions with one another, that's their culture, that's their environment, Mm -hmm. that's their mindset. When they start to think about ways to improve what they're doing, that's their seeds. When they start to get into some of the barriers or the obstacles that they encounter, those are their weeds. So even even when we're not using it per se, Mm -hmm. because others are not familiar with the concept, if you will, or the language at least. I find that a great organizational framework for even for approaching strategic planning with a group of people that I don't know very well. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I used it just the last couple of weeks working with a group in the, the community going through a, a visioning process. Um, and the framework was, it was incredibly helpful and, and just that, uh, Salam. So, you know, actually on the same line, would love to start this conversation about you know, you referred to it as your filter before we started to record, you know, vision, mission, method, the why, the what, the how, um, would love for you to dive into this or, you know, sure. and here in my notes, I have vision, you see, you know, you said, uh, inspire others to challenge the status quo mission, which is, you know, the, what you you had create transformational space with like minded individuals and then method, the how build mutually beneficial relationships, wherever I go, there's a lot in all of those, uh, components to this filter. I'd love for you to kind of take us on sure. a journey of, of what this is and what it means to you, why, why you use it, when you use it, et cetera. Yeah. So this transpired out of a frustration in my life to define myself. Uh, and, and I just, I couldn't figure, I was reading the books and couldn't figure out quite how to articulate it. And I knew I should put something on paper and so forth. And it was just there was just a lot of angst around getting to this, and then I I read a book, uh, Start with Why by Simon Sinek, and it just clicked. And so then I started working on my statement, and and he emphasizes in there as you start to think about who you are, uh, um, you want to make it as concise as possible. So so this took months, a couple months, because I put some stuff out there, and then and he suggests you know wear it a little bit, see how it feels, yeah. right? Um, and I just kept getting it tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. Uh, and then, and even it can, it can actually morph a little bit along the way. So the, my mission statement, although it's in relatively the same space, I adjusted the words not too long ago, actually in that. Um, and so, but here's the thing, when you go to a networking event, what's the first question 
people ask you after they get your name and stuff, right? They ask you, what do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Right? Here's the challenge with that. For 30 years, you'll be able to tell them what you do, mm-hmm. right? And when you don't do that thing anymore, you're lost, right? And, and so you, you might come across folks that are retiring or whatever, and, and they're, they're trying to figure out who they are now, right? Because they were mm-hmm. what they did. And so what I try to encourage people to do is figure out your why, the thing that burns white hot inside of you, the thing that you would get out of bed for every day to go do, and then go do that in your work, right? And so um, as I dialed my, my self into my vision statement for my life, inspire others to challenge the status quo, what I know is I can do that anywhere. I can do it at the Croc Center. I did it at Habitat. Put me in front of a group of kids. I'll do it there, right? I can inspire people to challenge the status quo. And, and what I love about how that came together and that, that tight statement uh, is change has to happen. If you're the same person next week that you are today, something's not going right in your life. You don't have all the cogs greased well. You should be different next week than you are today. Heck, tomorrow for that matter, right? Uh, with life's experiences. And so um, I knew once I got to that statement that I could be about that no matter where I work. So that's who I am. I just happen to play that out at the Croc Center right now, mm-hmm. right? Then my mission, create transformational space with like-minded individuals. Can I ask a question yes. real quick, though, Tony, before you get into to mission? Something really stuck out to me there. Um, well, for, first of all, you know, love this because we talk, if you remember in, in the Rooted Framework, we talk quite a bit in that deeply C section about knowing our why, which is our personal why. But you said, you know, I love the idea of don't be the same person that you were last week or yesterday for that matter. You know, and the way I'm hearing that is be better, right? Yeah. Can you talk, I mean, talk about that a little bit more. Talk about the idea of being better than we were yesterday. Yeah. Uh, for me, that's become largely in how I input to others, right? Um, and share myself, my life with how others. How you impact others. How other I words. impact others. Yep. Yeah. And so every encounter is an opportunity to do that, mm-hmm. right? Whether I've just met you or I've known you for a while and we're coming together to have coffee, we're catching up. Um, those are opportunities to, to do that. And so when we talk about getting a little bit better every day, um, for me, it's the exchange, right? If we're able to visit for 10 minutes and catch up, I've, I've learned something. Uh, um, in fact, Salam, you, you, uh, you and I were having a conversation. I must've been at a, a, a groundwork leadership when we were meeting face to face towards the end there, we were at the Croc center. Oh man, am I going to remember what it was? And you encouraged me, and I don't think you know you, you knew you did, but it was in, in respect to who you are and in, in alignment with what you're doing, right? And figuring out that when that thing isn't fully aligned, and you were talking about some of your state-level work, I think, at the time, when that thing isn't fully aligned, you, you've got to go find something else, right, that yeah. inspires you. Yeah. Uh, and that impacted me. And I don't think you knew that you did that in the moment, but I thought about that for two days afterwards. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's totally makes sense, right? It's those moments that made me better. It, yeah. it, it, it sharpened my thinking, right? Things like that. Uh, and that's where understanding who you are from a, a standpoint of what excites you. Yeah. And, and this is tough work. Like people don't write their statements down, Yeah. right? Um, cause it, you have to think about it. You have to get inside yourself and some, that's scary space sometimes, you yeah. know, if you're trying to learn who you are and what you want to be. Um, uh, and, and the folks that I've worked with one-on-one through this, it's, it's several weeks of just write, just sit down and write things that excite you. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, trips you might take or, or whatever, like what moves you is the question. Yeah. And then as you begin to find who, who you want to be, but it still comes back to, I, I was, uh, I did a talk once and, and this was one of the things that I just, just fit. So I weaved it in and I had a, a gal, uh, come up to me afterwards and she was older and she, and you could tell, right. And she came up and she said, do you think this stuff will still work for me at my age? <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. The topic was something else. What she hung on to was that, yeah. right. 
And so, so the soul has a space that needs to be feel, filled with something meaningful, right? And if you went through life not trying to be about what are you going to fill that space with, you can come to a point where you're feeling pretty empty-handed and maybe alone and so forth. So that, that first statement that defines you is who you are. Now, it would be funky at a network event if Salam came up and asked me, what do you do? Well, I inspire others to challenge the status quo. I do that by uh, directing the Croc Center over here, yeah. right? We just, we don't have that, that habit of explaining right. who we are. Right, right. But, but what I really love about this is that you know who you are and you know how you want to impact people and how you do impact them directly or indirectly. And we often tend to vision of statements like vision, mission, method, um, which is the strategy, et cetera, as something that belongs only to organizations right, and belongs to non, you know, inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you've, you've, and this is what I really love and admire about this. Um, you've applied this to yourself. And I think this provides that clarity to you in terms of who you are, what you wish to do and who you wish to do it with. Yeah. Which is really tremendous. I can only, I mean, what, imagine, Kids coming out of high school and having a glimpse of that clarity yeah. in terms of right. their vision, they're for themselves, what they see as their mission in life and how they're going to go about accomplishing that. Yeah. Not to suggest that it's a fixed pathway, but at right. least you know which road you want to take and you let it lead you to wherever it leads you. Absolutely. I, I've not known many adults that have done this. So I, I think this is absolutely remarkable. And I think this is the first step to deeply seeing, quite yeah. frankly, yeah. and accountability. When you were talking about going through this process, I kept imagining the change filter mm -hmm. because you're being accountable to yourself. You basically said, this is who I want to be and I'm going to be accountable to myself. I, w I was going through the change filter myself. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. To determine... Okay, so who am I? Mm -hmm. What do I want to be? How do I want to impact others? What do I want my impact to be to begin with? Mm -hmm. So I, I love this. I really commend you for doing something. It takes a lot of courage, by the way, to do something like this. It yeah, was I, scary. <laughs> yeah, I have, uh, I have a comment and then, and then a question. I, I resonate with this quite a bit. I, you know, I feel like the, the moment that my, my life changed in my early 20s was when I truly discovered, you know, my purpose. Um, and so some, some of my personal work that I do I actually call it an extreme purpose because, you know, we sometimes we're afraid of that word extreme because yeah. we relate it to extremists. And when I we like hear extremists, that. we start to think of, <laughs> you know, all sorts of really scary things. But when it comes to our purpose, we should be an extremist, right? right? You should be an extremist in inspiring others to change the status quo, right? Um, so I love that personally because I I try to operate my, my life the same way that my why is not going to change whether I'm working here in Salem for Mountain West or if I'm, you know, on the other side of the world uh, at doing something different. My 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 personal why will would remain the same. So yeah. I love that uh, about this, and I love that uh, about you. And my my follow up question is something that I struggle with, and I don't think that there needs to be an answer to it. I don't think that there's there's a right or wrong way to do this. But people have asked me before, and it's how do you, you know, how do you uh, how do you know? How do you measure? You know, because you, you talked a little bit about how you know. You talked about these moments, but how do you you know how do you measure something like that? Scale something like that? Of am I a better person today than I was yesterday? You know, uh, challenging the status quo. Um, for me, you know, my 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 why is to be an influence for good and spread peace, build peace wherever I, I'm at, and and so that's so abstract and 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 uh, and you know, you can even say vague that, how do you measure that? And I don't know if you have to, right? Uh, because it's bigger than uh, a checklist. It's not something that you can check off, but I was just curious, you know, that's my question is how have you found a way to, to gauge it or measure it so that you know that you're doing it so that when yeah. you, when you put your head on the pill at the end of the day, you know, a day that you really did a great job at, at fulfilling your purpose, your why sure. versus other days. If you're like me, you probably have days where you're like, I didn't do so good at it today. <laughs> so what's right. your gauge there? Does that question make sense? Yeah, I think it's 
taking a minute every so often to look back, look back at the work that's been accomplished and, and, um, reflect on that a little bit. Right. So, so if I'm making an impact in the world, I always want to do better and do more impacting. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so I can put my head down, run a hundred miles an hour, um, try to rally the troops behind me and, and do something. Right. Um, the gauge, I guess for me would be reflecting back on the things that you've been able to accomplish. So for me is, as I look at, um, as I've used this as a filter, uh, in terms of the adding the mission to it, then right. Creating transformational space with like-minded individuals. Yeah. When I want to accomplish something and that I believe in my soul can be done right before anyone else can see it. In fact, I've had people tell me I'm crazy. Uh, and that they, you know, intimate that, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but if I believe it inside of me, I, I can't not attempt it. I can't not try. Mm-hmm. Right. So an example of that was, um, youth program. Uh, no, not a program. Actually, it was a youth system, uh, a while back, uh, when I was at my in workforce, what I realized was we, we needed to create some, we, we tend to create things that kids have to come to. How do we turn that on his, its head and create something that goes to them, right? Uh, and so one day on a run, I, I conceived this notion of the Career Achievement Network. And what it was going to be was a system, not a, not a project or a program. And I knew it was going to be difficult to fund it because donors want to fund projects and programs. They don't want to fund systems, really. There's nothing sexy about a system. But in my work at Habitat, what I realized was um, I started teaching uh, kids construction trade skills on our Habitat job sites here in Salem. I'd been doing it for 10 years. Why not do it here? Uh, that attracted a lot, of, um, a lot of newer people and some new donors and things like that because they liked that component about what we were doing. Then I was looking for uh, folks in the community who could then help those kids connect to employment of some sort. And I wasn't finding it. And I was running everywhere. And so I started looking for it myself and uh, created a pretty cool collaboration with Cabinet Door Service here in town, uh, Michael Fowler over there. And he was excited what I was doing. I was excited that he was excited and went to his uh, uh, shop, toured it. He talked to me about getting my kids transferred from once they've gone through my program, he'll pick up where I left off and continue to teach them and then he would, you know, use that as a filter to decide if he wanted to hire them or, or not. So, so that component there uh, was built. When I transferred into the workforce arena, I looked back on that and went, so, so there's connections missing here in terms of how, what happens to kids as we do our things with them, right? Uh, and so the system that we built under the Career Achievement Network was essentially a place that whoever wanted to raise their hand and say, I want to help the emerging workforce learn the skills that they need to advance in life and be successful. So if you're government, you might fund capacity. If you're a nonprofit, you might refer your clients. If you're a local business, you, uh, you basically volunteer that you will create a space where they can learn those skill sets. Right? So I had this great idea, this great plan. It, um, Took my staff a little while to get it. I just kept dumping it out of my head. They were whiteboarding things and trying to understand it. And I'm like, nope, it's not a program. We need to build the systems behind it. And then they finally got it, which was very exciting. Uh, and so I went and knocked. I, I needed lots of money to scale it, right? So I went and knocked on the state store. And they're like, meh. I mean, it's just an idea, a concept. So I'm like, okay. Off I went, knocking on doors, trying to just rally the, rally the people. And one day I got a phone call from uh, the governor's chief of staff. I thought I was in trouble. And uh, they said, we'd like to talk to you. I'm like, okay, <laughs> about what? And they said, well, we want to talk about this youth program you're building. Oh, okay, great. So we go over to the Capitol, me and one of my, my staff, and, and uh, we sit there and, and, the, and they said, well, we want to know how we can help. And I said, well, don't want this to look state run because it's very organic right now. We had businesses coming on board to offer these experiences and so forth. Nope. We just want to help. How can we help? And I said, well, then I need money to scale. I can take this into three other counties if I had the, the dollars to scale it. And here's what I'll do for every dollar you give me, 
I'll match it with an employer dollar, which was music to their ears. They like to see that, that kind of match. Right. Uh, and so we talked a little bit more about that and said our pleasantries and left uh, about three months later. Now, two months later happened quicker than we thought actually, because we didn't know where, where that was going to go. Uh, got a call back from the state and they said, well, um, we found $500,000. Can you use it to, for your program? <laughs> I said, yes, I can. Uh, and 250,000 of that came from the Oregon, uh, Oregon employment department budget. And 250,000 came from the governor's strategic reserve, Kitzhaber at the time, which means he had to sign off for it. So that was pretty exciting. I, I, um, engaged with them in a, in a, previous meeting, but I'll, I'll keep the story short. Anyway, so what we did then was we used that money to scale the way we got the employer match and got over the hurdle of who's going to take liability for these kids was the employer actually hired them and I paid half the wage. And that's where we got the match. So we were able to do uh, over 200 work experiences in 18 months in four counties with 40 unique employers. Pretty impressive. That's that really is because I wouldn't take no because I believed in my soul that this needed to be done for one. And anytime I hit a wall where it's like, it doesn't appear it's going to happen. I just go find another door. Right. So, so when we talk about finding like-minded individuals, that's, that's my mission. If I want to create or accomplish something, I've got to find the people who can somehow get behind it. Right. right? Yeah. Right. And it's really interesting because uh, Tony touched on a key element of the the seeds section in our groundwork rooted framework, uh, which is really the the three steps to innovation, which is desire. And I, I as I look back at at your journey in the various wonderful leadership roles that you've had, that desire has always been there, and it's still there. And that's why you're so excited to be working with kids from Salem yeah. Kaiser School yeah. District. Because the desire is really evident, mm-hmm. but then we have belief, which is supported by data. I mean, it's not just a hunch. You have data and evidence to suggest right. that these kids need these services. The employers need workers. This is workforce development. But there's also conviction on your part that this is, this is good. This will help right. kids thrive. They'll help put them on a path for success. And then the implementation, it, it's you know, recognizing that sometimes you have to go slow to go fast. It's the pace, um, it's the patience, but not losing sight of the long-term strategy here and the sustainability aspect of it. And that's the critical spot for a leader, right? To be able to keep pointing the compass north so that those who are following, who are excited, can can keep saying, okay, yep, we're we're still inching towards that, right? Um, uh, I remember when I got to Habitat, it had gone through a few leaders and it, and it wasn't in a great spot. And the, the previous leader right before me focused on the problems. And I guess in his mind, it was once we fix the problems, then we'll figure out where we're going. That's never been my mode of operation. I'm like, where are we going? We'll fix the problems along the way. Because until you, you the folks who wish to follow the vision until they know where they're headed, until they can see the target, they're just meandering and they feel like they're meandering. When I got to my workforce organization, similar things, a funky leadership previous, one of, one of my staff told me, it was like we were swimming in a sea of ambiguity. You get that statement, mm-hmm. right? Yep. A sea of ambiguity. I, I never want to be accused of that. Yeah. Like I, once I get to an organization and kind of feel it out a little bit. It doesn't take me very long to go, okay, here's where we're going. And, and it changes the mood, especially when an organization hasn't been uh, um, led well. Uh, you can see that mood change and lift in the people because they're trying to fill that gap, that spot in the soul that wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And when a leader can come in and create that space and point at the target on the wall and show them that that's what we can all do together to be bigger than ourselves, they get excited. And that to me, I, again, I got goosebumps right now because uh, I love creating those spaces where people can have that experience. Yeah. Now, I, you know, what I'm hearing a lot is, uh, is 
you know, cult, the so- soil work, right? Yeah. That uh, when we go in, we start to cultivate um, the soil uh, to collectively. And part of that is is knowing the why and the vision and, and what we're, we're trying to accomplish. And now there's times when a weed is so massive that we have to address it, right? <laughs> right. Um, uh, but but everything else you're you're explaining is really uh, soil, which I think is is fantastic. And and kind of going back to my my original question um, as well, I saw it kind of come full circle there. Of how do we measure it? How do we know when we are fulfilling and delivering on this vision or this why? And you do, you related it directly to the mission and the what that the evidence of of our tenacity or or desire or belief in our why typically is manifested by by our what by what happens mm-hmm. by the differences that that um, you know we see um, because of it and uh, I think that's a great way to to be able to to gauge it and what 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 is interesting about all of this is these are our personal whys these are the things that motivate us so it's not like we have to report them back to anybody <laughs> it's not like I need a send in a report of here's the difference, but, um, you know, for those minds out there that need to be able to measure something, yeah. uh, I think that you, you answered it really well of look, uh, it's measured through what, what we are able to do and accomplish because yeah. of this why that's driving us. And at the same time, if that's burning inside of you and you're not doing it, you're, you're not right. Like mm. you don't feel right. You don't, mm-hmm. you, there's angst, there's, it transpires with me and I'm, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Right. But it's because it's burning inside of me. Yeah. It wants out. It wants yep. to go out and do those things. Right. So, so that's, I guess, yeah, I don't have to report to someone, but boy, there's something inside of me that's kicking me in the hiney to make something happen. Right. Yeah. I, I love that we brought this up earlier, but the deeply C section of our framework is just so relevant with this. Um, and Salam and I have been juggling with the idea of changing it from deeply see people to just deeply see because there's so much deeply right. seeing people as kind of a, a an outcome or a manifestation of somebody who's trying to deeply see life, which which is what you're describing, right? People that see life this way are seeing it to, in my opinion, at a deeper level than those are just only responding to what's around them yeah. and just living life in a transactional sort of a way. Uh, I, th- I think there's a huge difference and, and the way that we're the difference, the, what we're calling that difference is that those people are intentionally trying to deeply see life yeah. um, differently. And that's, that's exactly what you're explaining. So that, that part of our framework keeps coming to mind as you're, yeah. uh, you're discussing and, uh, these, these ideas and I, and I really love it. Well, um, and I would add, add something real quick. Everyone needs a vision, but it doesn't have to be their own, but you do have to attach yourself to something. Yeah. Right. So that's where the responsibility of a leader comes into play in a big way. Yeah. Right. If you if you fundamentally understand people need to connect to something bigger then as a leader, how do you create those scenarios, situations, circumstances where that can happen? Yeah. And that's where growth for them, your team and your your the people who want to follow that vision. That's where that growth begins to germinate in the soil Mm -hmm. and begins to grow. Right. And then and then you nurture that. Yeah. But right. everyone needs a vision. What I help them understand is it doesn't have to be your own. Yeah. And well, I love that. That's that shows the importance of leaders. And it doesn't have to be their own in that they they have to create it all out right. of nothing. Right. But it does have to be their own and they need to take ownership of it. Right? Oh yes. And uh and I I just I love that you share that because that's how it was for me, right? I shared my why kind of really briefly with you. And that wasn't mine. I didn't think of it. It came from a leader that nice. truly inspired me. Um, and somebody that actually was long before my time, we, he was, you know, he died long before I was even born. Um, but he had a vision, uh, of a place and that anybody that would go to this place, it was actually my school that I went to for my undergraduate degree, that people would come from all over the world to this place in the middle of nowhere in little Laie, Hawaii. Hmm. And they would, what they would learn there would help them go out into the world and be an influence for good and help spread peace. And that was what I caught on to. And it became so personal to me, it was as if it was my own. Yep. Um, but he, as a great leader with the inspiration and the desire to be able to to put something like that into existence, mm-hmm. right? To put something like that into the universe where now thousands and thousands of, of people have benefited from it. And there's thousands and thousands of people that bought into that same purpose. 
um, that same vision. So I, that speaks to the importance of leadership yeah. in, 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 in knowing your, your why, not just your organizational why, yeah. but it can be incredibly motivating to people that were like me that didn't really know. And like what you described earlier, kind of figuring out what do I want to do, right? What, what do I want to do besides what I do at my job? Um, I think it's so important to have, have that. Uh, and, and Salam is right. What he said earlier, I think it's pretty rare to go up to somebody and say, and, and to ask them, can you write down your, your vision? <laughs> right. Why do you exist? You know, yeah. and write down your vision and your purpose in, in a sentence. I think, you know, one out of, one out of 50 or a hundred might be able to actually Maybe. do it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and so I think, but it's, 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 it's incredible. We can feel the energy coming off of you just because you've taken the time to do that. Um, some of the most passionate people and driven people that I know have that mm -hmm. uh, about them. It's not attached to a yeah. to a temporal thing like money or to you know uh, fame or, or etc. It's 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 deeper than that. Yeah. Like you've mentioned several times, it's something bigger than them. Uh, and I think that's a really uh, important aspect. Well, and we it. can intimidate folks, right? We if we get all our passion all worked up yeah. and start barreling down a road, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I say the vision doesn't have to be your own mm -hmm. because I've had people say, well, I can't, I'm not a visionary. I can't do what you do. Right. But that doesn't mean they don't need to be attached to something. Yeah. And that's where I landed right. on. Right. It doesn't have to be your own. Find what, what makes you tick yeah. and support that. Like you did, you just had a perfect example of that, right? Where you were, uh, uh, presented this information and you found your own white hot spot in your soul for that stuff. And it became your own. Yeah. I, I think at, at its core, um, we want people to know their purpose. And, and quite frankly, even at this stage in my life, uh, it's something that I grapple with. And I think it's important to recognize that it changes. Yeah. But it, it has to be founded in a set of principles that you adhere to no matter what. And I think this is what's lacking quite often in society today is that people don't know who they are. They may not be even open to the idea of knowing who they are, right. exploring, as we say in the framework, exploring um, other spaces or social space, social yeah, dare, space. dare to explore social dare space. To ex yeah. Dare to explore social space. Uh, use your suffering well, because yeah. I think I think these are principles that apply to organizations and people in organizations. But I think it could be incredibly powerful if we talk about purpose with kids. I understand oh, yeah. that we shy away from it sometimes because sometimes the purpose is is defined by faith, and that's equally mm -hmm. important. But this whole notion of who I am and what I want to do—I mean, we get it. We get at it by telling kids. Do what you like. Right. What's your passion? What do you love to do? Yeah. Um, in fact, it's really interesting. You were talking earlier about when people encounter each other, the first thing they ask is, what do you do? I actually purposefully changed that. So nice. especially when I was working with the state and we're going to all of these national meetings and gatherings, et cetera. So I stopped asking people what they do because I assumed first that most everybody there does sure. the <laughs> same thing that I do. <laughs> right. You know. So I started to ask people this question, who are you with? And they can look at me and say, well, I'm, I'm with Mountain West. And my next question would be, well, what does Mountain West do? Nice. And it kind of startles them a little bit mm -hmm. because they're expecting you to ask them. They're ready to tell you what they do. Mm -hmm. And then the third question I typically ask is, well, what's your role at Mountain West? And I find that it really changes the conversation. Yeah, nice. And it gets to that vision piece because it really forces you to think about where you work and why you work there and what you do there to support, as you said, yep. the vision and mission of that entity. Yep. Well, and I think um, a challenge with young leaders is they're trying to be all things to all people. Right. Because they they're trying to find themselves, mm -hmm. right? When you get it distilled down to what I call my filter here, this is where... Um, the power of no comes into play. I, I used to be a yes guy, right? I didn't want to disappoint anybody. So sure, I'll do sure, 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 sure. When I learned to say no after the filter, that was so freeing because what that allows me to do is focus on the things that fire me up yep. yeah. and just avoid the things that don't. But I know what it is now, right? Sure. And so when you're young and you're trying to figure out 
life, you're trying to do it all. Uh, you sometimes just feel confused about who you are, right? Yeah, My daughters right. are going through that at this stage of their, their, uh, you know, young twenties and trying to figure out who they are. Um, because there's so much coming at you, but boy, once you dial this in, man, saying no, it just became a beautiful yeah. thing yeah. over time. Yeah. I think the, 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 the power to say no, which, you know, you had put in your notes here is, I think is an important one. Um, and you know, we only have a few minutes left, but uh, and maybe this will lead into kind of your final words on the how, right? The method which you had build mutually beneficial relationships wherever I go. I feel like you've answered that, you know, in a lot of your dialogue already. But I, I do want to emphasize the, and you mentioned this, but that this isn't easy, right? It's, it's, it's not easy. It's kind of what's easy is to fall into, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, going through the motions, yeah. uh, and. And I'll, dare I even use the word kind of settling for mediocrity, and that's different for everybody, yeah. right? Uh, everybody's going to have a different level of that, but just settling for what's what's there because that's what's there, yeah. And and that can be the easy thing to do, yeah. that, but but in the in the long run, um, it makes a, a huge huge difference. And why I'm thinking of that because it, it's it's it speaks to me because you know I finished going back you know several years I finished my undergrad and I'm trying to, f I have this, this why that I want to fulfill, but I'm like, well, I got to still pay the bills. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I I, that. in my mind, I'm like, you know, I had some great experience being able to be part of projects, you know, um, making some really transformational change, but now I actually have to put food on the table and provide for my little young family at the time. And, and I just need to get a job. And so I'm now I'm trying to think, well, I can do this wherever I go. I believe that I can do this wherever I go, but there's this deep desire that I, I actually really want to do this. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to just become a, not that there's anything against this. And I was, I did sales for a while and, yeah. and I enjoyed it, but I don't just want to be a sales guy, right? I want to spread peace where I go and be an influence for good. And I was, you know, I was lost going from one thing to the next interviewing for all these things. And there was this moment, really pivotal moment between my wife and I, cause we, make sure that we kind of share this why together where I just kind of wanted to throw in the towel and give it up. Like, you know, this is silly, you know, it's not going to, it's kind of dumb to act, to actually believe that I can find a place where I can do this. And so, uh, I settled on, and I say settled, that's a bad word to use. <laughs> what I decided to do, a place where I feel, felt I could be an influence for good and help spread peace was in law enforcement. And and so I actually went through all of the 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 testing and training and everything to be a a state patrolman wow. in Washington, right? And my and Kenzie and I, my wife, we start selling all of our stuff to move up there, like to enter the academy and everything. And wow. uh, and and we were ready. We were bought in. We were ready to go. And then I got you know a letter from them that said I was denied. And I scored at the highest in all the physical, the psych tests, everything. I was Man. like top five. So I was blown away that I was um, denied and it was actually kind of heartbreaking. I was sitting there like, what on earth am I, sp I'm trying here. You know, I'm like, ah, yeah. you know, looking to the heavens, like I'm trying my best here. Give me a break. Um, but I'm so grateful now looking back that that didn't work out, right? I wouldn't be yeah. here. I wouldn't get to know people like you. I wouldn't be in a place where I really feel like I'm, I'm fulfilling this why that I have. And so I share that briefly because, um, Doing this isn't easy. It's 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 easy to like think of an idea and be like that's that sounds powerful. That's inspiring. But it's not so easy to actually live it and to stick with it because days aren't always wonderful and we don't always have these inspiring, motivating moments on a day to day. And we have to be willing to get through the hard times. Yeah. And and so when I'm thinking of the how, you know, part of it for me is we have to be willing to go through some of the suffering which we talk yeah. about and in the framework is, are we going to use the suffering to break us and to just let it tear us down? Right. Or are we going to use it to allow us to, to, to allow it to break us open right. um, and to be a better version of ourselves than we were yesterday? Um, so I, those were just some thoughts that I had. And, and I wanted to get your final cup. We have a couple minutes left sure. on this how piece and, and the method that you've found in, in your filter that you've, yeah. that you've, you see successful for you. So I heard a great quote just a few days ago. A ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what it was designed to do. And so, and this gets a little bit at the fear piece, right? When we talk about leadership and growing ourselves as a leader and, and so forth. Um, 
there is a fear factor and, and it's cliche a little bit, but you know, we can be our own worst enemy and, and our minds can conjure up all the things that are going to go wrong. And, and, um, and people are wired differently, right? For some, they go right to the worst case scenario every time, right away right. for others. Um, we try to find the, the good side of what's going on. Right. Uh, and so the, the method by building mutually beneficial relationships, wherever I go, uh, that plays out in, in folks who mentor me in folks I mentor in my leadership style. Um, and, and part of what I do now as a leader is I look for what people are afraid of because I want to figure out how to encourage them to step into that fear. Because what I know is going on psychologically is they've, they've built the thing up so much bigger than it really is. And if they will just step into it, they'll see, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was hmm. going to be or whatever. Uh, and so um, I feel like part of my responsibility as a leader is to, to notice when my people are, are struggling with something from a fear standpoint. That's, that it's, it's holding them back a little bit, right? Uh, at work, maybe in their life if they've shared some things or, or whatever. And try to help them understand that it's really not as bad as they're making it out to be, yeah. right? And it's, it's fun when those lights come on and people realize, oh, and then they're willing to take the next step and the next step, right? Even for me early on when I was kind of shunning the whole idea of leadership, at first I didn't have anyone that was trying to come around me and say, hey, get your head out of your hiney. You need to think about this stuff, right? Uh, and so I didn't know what to do with this, this notion of leadership. Uh, and then, so then we see our young leaders in our community who are trying to figure these things out too, right? The natural reflex as a human being is to find a safe space and hunker down. Mm -hmm. The right? harbor. Yes. But that's where, you know, um, when it comes to inspiring others to challenge the status quo, that's what I look for. Like, that's your status quo. How do we move you off of that, right? Now, I don't approach them that way with it, but but that's, I'm wired now because of this filter to see those things and to encourage my staff and and in the different ways, right? When they're struggling with their own leadership challenges at work and things. So, yeah, I can't emphasize it enough. Yeah. And this is, this is uh, really powerful and um, I've enjoyed this this dialogue, especially as we got into your your filter and, and vision, um, uh, uh, mission and method. Uh, I think it's been it's been really fun to talk about. Um, and unfortunately, we have to wrap up. Uh, I want to turn the time to Salam. Any final thoughts? And then I like to end. You know, usually end each episode with some questions to our listeners. Today's pretty easy. I got some easy questions uh, to ask. Not so easy to to think about and to answer, but. Easy ones for me to ask, but before I do that, Salam, any, any final thoughts? My, uh, the analogy that I want to use is, is that I think today we got to look behind the curtain. And, and I really appreciate that because, because you shared with us something that is incredibly powerful. And you shared with us that clear intentionality to lead and intentionality to be better and you started with yourself, which is, which is really rare because we often try and find what's, what's wrong in others, with others, our organizations, our families, and we lead that way. But your anchor is, is you and what you've learned and discovered about yourself. And, uh, and that's really my takeaway. I mean, even at this point in my life, I want to do that. I want to try. I think I know what my vision, mission, and method is. But I want to be a little bit more intentional about it. And I, and I think that's really the takeaway is that if we want to lead, and I've always said that you don't necessarily have to be in a position of authority or leadership to lead, but if you want to lead and you measure your leadership by your impact on others, you could do that from anywhere, anytime, anyhow. So I, I, I just love, it's like seeing, you know, what's, behind the curtain what what motivates you what drives you what inspires you and allows you to inspire uh to inspire others and i think before tony leaves today we ought to book him for one of the sessions maybe the mission session for groundwork oh, yeah. next year absolutely because wow. i think you have something really powerful to share with everyone 
February next year, Tony. Okay. Put it on the calendar. <laughs> All right. February next year. You're our speaker presenter. Yeah. You can just play the podcast if you want. <laughs> yeah. You just well, show up, push play and sit there. To your point, uh, Salam, here's what I tell people. Don't aspire to be a leader. Aspire to be a person who can lead. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very profound. And and thank you. I really enjoyed this immensely and, and appreciate you. And I appreciate what you do in the community and what you have done for a long time. And I'm really thank excited you. about where you are today and thank you. where you're going to take uh, the Krog Center and what that place actually stands for and what it means for this community and essentially its purpose. So thank you. Yeah, Tony, okay. appreciate it, my friend. And um I enjoy our friendship, admire you, uh, more so even after today, you've laid this out really simply and it's connected to me personally, things that I, I believe in, but you've just put it in a, in a filter and a framework that is, is more helpful to, to digest and to, to go back to and analyze. So I appreciate that. Um, I think uh, anybody who's listened to this episode will get quite a bit out of it. Um, and serious, uh, you know, the, you're, we're going to put you on the, on the calendar oh. to be the to be our presenter next right, next February. I'm game. <laughs> um, We're giving you a didn't long runway. Gig out this way, <laughs> right? That's I better pro, be somebody different. It's pro bono though. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just to be upfront and transparent. You're alumni, right? So you <laughs> right, know, you're giving right. back. No. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, in closing, though, for listeners, in all in in all seriousness, you know, I invite you to one. Do you know your why? Um, do you know your why? Do you know, uh, you know, what, what, uh, do you know the how? Do you have answers to those questions? Right. That's kind of my first series or, or general question. And then the second is, uh, and his invitation is to invite you to, to start writing it down, to start to identify it, um, and, and stick with it and see if there's a difference in, in, in your life, um, in what motivates you to, 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 to wake up every morning and what you're thinking about when you put your head on the pillow. Um, uh, those are really important things, I think, for anyone uh, to be thinking about um, to live a happy and, and joyful and, and successful life. Uh, so those are my invitations. And with that, we'll close out this uh, episode for the day. Thank you, Salam, always, as our, our awesome co-host. Couldn't do it without you. And Tony, thank you, Chris. thank you for being a wonderful guest. And, thank you for having me. Yeah, and listeners, thank you, thanks, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, be safe, and we'll catch you later.